0: Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip and commentary.
1: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news?
2: People disassociate parts of themselves and act in a certain way, but I think the, the problem comes why well, you see so many gangland criminals struggle with mental health, and is because you can't keep that up forever. And it's really only the, the massively antisocial people that keep going. Look, it is about religion, and it, but it's also about devotion, and it's about showing it off.
0: And, and for certainly, for, for some people, it's sibling rivalry. So I'm going to have a, a bigger grave than you because I'm more successful and I'm right. better than you.
3: I'm Nicola Talent. And you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. The funeral of gangland hardman Cornelius Price took place in Rochdale in the UK this week, complete with three Lamborghinis to lead the cortege, floral tributes of guns and a chainsaw and one curious front page of the Sunday World. Beloved by his family, Naily Boy, who is suspected of involvement in at least four murders, kidnaps and the brutal torture of members of his own mob, was given the send-off of a legend as he was laid to rest like a true mafia boss. So what is the point of his extravagant funeral? And others like it where limousines, outriders and pipers lead mourners and where dead gangsters are laid to rest in gold caskets surrounded by memories of their lives of crime. Today, I'm talking with Niall Donald and Eamon Dillon about the showy gangster funerals fast becoming the norm and about mausoleums fitted with Wi-Fi and air conditioned tombs for the fallen hard men of the underworld. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Cornelius Price is grave. I mean, now, what went on in the background there? Because we were told that it was going to happen in Balbriggan. I was getting phone calls all the time where, where is it on? Do you know where it's on? Then there was some relative that was saying it's definitely on in Ireland. And all of a sudden, it... Happened in the UK and it was kind of crazy.
2: Yeah, I mean, they put a, a video was put out by supporters of Cornelius Price um, on TikTok welcoming the body home and all of this, but it seems it was misdirection. Home to where? Home to North County Dublin. To Gormanston. Yeah, well, She's North County Dublin anyway.
0: Yeah, I look, I mean, there was, I think, a bit of deliberate misinformation. He, he was never going to go to Bad Brigham because the mm. grave of Benny Whitehouse is there. One of the, the people he's suspected to have ordered killed. So I mean that that would have been you know just a horrendous from either family's point of view to have, you know, mm. um, you know two people in the one graveyard. It would just lead to to more friction. And you have to remember that even the, the White House family, there's members of that family are married into to, to the Price family. I mean they are interrelated. So I mean that was it's taken. It's messy in, at Christmas. That was taken. Yeah. well, yeah. I say it's messy. It's messy, at, you know, on All Souls Day or whenever people go to the mm. graveyards as well. Um and, and there was talk about it. he does also have relatives buried in Glass nevin I, I I've been told as well, and that was a possibility at one stage. but I think I think some members of the family, you know, despite the reputation of Cornelius Price, some members of the family are you know quite reasonable characters, I'm told, and I think they kind of felt, look, there's a need to kind of put an end to this, you know, in terms of it we we don't an entire circus mm. I mean, or if you know if there was going to be a circus, it was to be at there. Um, you know, it was going to be their circus and not yeah. anyone else's. They didn't necessarily want the media there or rival clans turning up. But as we know now, like we've seen the Lamborghinis and the, and the and the
2: floral. so it was a circus, but it was their one. And the Sunday World appeared uh, on the on the grave. Now
3: that, of course, everybody was. The WhatsApp was going mad when that little video came yeah. up. So, who took the video at the graveside? No media were there.
2: No me. No media were there. During the, the service, so it was taken by uh, it was put up on social media oh, was, by people who were there. Who were there? Yeah. Yeah. So it, obviously there was there was a number of floral tributes on the grave, including a, a bottle of Captain Morgan's. There was a, a handgun in and Flowers, but there was also um, a mocked up version of the Sunday World copyright not 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 given in advance. Yeah. Um, but obviously with a more favourable headline, I think saying that. Uh, Mr. Price was a, a legend in his time, not yet yet to be published in the Sunday World. Sim, in that form. simply
0: the best, Cornelius Price was so. the headline. You can see here, but yeah, obviously um. the
2: Sunday World logo is there. So,
3: look, that's an extraordinary. We've never seen one of those before, have we? I don't think a so. Front page. I mean, front pages of the Sunday World are usually, uh, you know, not embraced, up, mocked up, shall we say, for when people are are leaving yeah or when there's a big birthday or something like that on and then of course the um the desk jockeys go to town on yeah doing up a mock for 40th birthdays or whatever but yeah. Like that. but yeah so look that's the first gangster who's actually embraced 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 that it's it's you know it's a time look the three lamborghinis right led the funeral cortège and of course Rochdale is in Manchester mm. um an area of Manchester that is Uh, I think it's a fairly underprivileged area, Rochdale, and it seems to have had its troubles over the years. Um, The Lamborghinis led the funeral cortege. There was absolutely everything you could imagine. And the mourners were burying what they called a king, golden balls, which is a different thing altogether, and a legend. And they call him, of course, Nailie Boy, um, the Captain Morgan's Rum. We all know he liked that because... In 2020, when Robbie Lawler was murdered up in Belfast, he took to social media himself. I mean, that was kind of coming towards the end of when he had good health and he toasted Lawler's death.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think the, the funerals have become increasingly important in, in, in gangland circles. Mm. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, we, we Over the years, Eamon, we would have gone and got pictures secretly, but almost without exception now they're being broadcast really in social media and recorded very professionally and put up as kind of uh, I suppose a testament to the people that have died Mm. Uh, it's 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 a change in culture I think yeah well I mean even
0: like David Byrne's funeral after the the Regency shooting I mean that was a real marker like that was we know that Mm. members of the the Burn organised crime gang were, you know, were ordered to turn up. They wore a uniform. I mean, it was all but a paramilitary-style uniform. Um, There was the the string of limousines. It was all about projecting power and, you know, within their community and showing that, you know, we're still strong. And Daniel Kinahan turning up, you know, despite having narrowly escaped death just, you know, a a short time previously, is still, you know, confident enough to walk the streets of Dublin. So, I mean, that was a real key uh, um, kind of aspect of it is to kind of show power. And, and you, you see that with, even with uh, Cornelius Price, there's an element of, you know, the people still spinning on social media. They're talking about him being a great dad and a great uncle and a great father and all the rest of it. And, and it's all about, you know, creating their own narrative and not leaving it up just to the Sunday world yeah. or, or, to their, or to their rivals who are equally gloating on, they were putting stuff up on social media. Um, I mean, we had the video that was taken by the, the Christian preacher of Cornelius Price you know, on, on the ventilator, on you know, in literally in the last a few hours of his life, and you had rivals, you know, pretty much gloating, like mm. you know, you, you're making fun of him that you know he, he, he was, was dying him, yeah. as he was dying. So I mean, you can see why you know people want to create their own narrative around you know somebody's they're death. taking
3: ownership essentially of the reportage of it, and they're also though showing. The wealth, aren't they? I mean, this is these funerals—if you could call them—bling is what they are. I mean, yeah. it's the it's the cars, it's the horses, it's the lone pipers, it's the you know the the lines of young guys dressed similar. It's that mafia style thing. Look how much money I earned.
2: Yeah, look how much money I earned, and also, like, unusually, you see sort of uh, people are projecting cheerful scenes as well, where it becomes this sort of celebration of the life, Um and of course. That's how the family are entitled to remember people that's their their business, um, but there is a kind of a, an embrace a, an embrace of that, that that culture that it's certainly the days of uh, people hiding their faces as they walked into a gangland funeral those are just not happening anymore at this moment mm-hmm. I mean we've always loved a good funeral in Ireland.
0: I mean people talk about you know that was a great funeral, it was a great crack, and everyone had a few drinks and laughed about you know the, the person who passed away. I mean, yeah, and they've always been politicized in, in, in Ireland. I mean, Terence McSweeney, you know, in, who went on hunger strike in London in 1920 and died, that became a huge kind of shift in the political um, kind of climate in Ireland in 1920. So, I mean, from way back and again, you know, it was always politicized by, you know, the provisional, you know, Republican movement and, you know, the official Republican movement and all the rest of it, they they use that all the time. And we've even seen that recently, you know, with... with um the, you know, members of the real IRA and people you know, yeah. creating firing parties, which again yeah. is all about projecting power and making it look like you've got something useful going on here. I
3: yeah. was actually in the Jeep um, driving it, actually, for the uh, first anniversary of Alan Ryan's death. Now, at his actual funeral, do you remember the, the shots were let off and yeah. there was murder over that? But the, the anniversary was as big, it was un believable don't know how we managed it but we were driving along and ended up like surrounded by all these women and men in uniform marching um obviously the paramilitary uniform or whatever and they were all walking alongside us we were completely engulfed actually in it uh, but there was thousands at it yeah it was quite extraordinary and and they were remembering what they said was a martyr yeah um
2: it's a way I think to to get that message across I mean even even the funeral of Bobby story who was a you know, a renowned IRA man turned peacemaker, according to some at the very least. You know, that's a display of strength and a display of community strength. And um, Yeah, like it's, it's. I've been at the funerals and they're, they're kind of contradictory. I remember being at a funeral in, in Ballyfermit of two brothers who were shot dead and the priest was speaking... In sort of general terms about the the effects of of gangland crime, and I remember her sister getting up, walking up to the altar, and basically saying, "Time to let that drop, you know, get back Did on she message." That reasonably or
3: was uh,
2: well. She she said it reasonably, and the yeah. priest spoke afterwards, saying he wasn't told to shut up. Okay,
3: but you know, but it, was it, mid, it was it was mid service. You see, and of course, the church are somewhat compromised in these situations, isn't it? I mean, you're you're talking about that preacher. Uh, that was with Cornelius Price when he was dying, this evangelical preacher, he spoke at the gravesite and he spoke about, I see there a note that his name was Reverend Alex Johnson. (laughs) He said that um, Cornelius Price's heart was changed through the compassion of God. Now, I do think his victims, suspected victims' families wouldn't believe that. He went to his grave without, I suppose, revealing the whereabouts in particular um, of the couple, um, Willie Maughan
0: Willie Maughan and his his and girlfriend anniversary Verslaive yeah. um, well he's been in a coma since late 2021 mm. so like I mean if he's doing any religious conversions like you know it happened in his head I, you know I mean look it's a bit ridiculous to, to have come out with that and I think um, you know I, I spoke to Willie Maughan and yeah I mean he took a, a fairly Christian point of view he said well let's hope he has converted but he said I don't think that's true he yeah. doubts it very much and I mean and they're very much still left hanging I mean they're, they're a, a family left grieving um, and they they would like to know what happened to to William On and
3: and I kind and his girlfriend of no don't you because that he's passed away that the fear maybe that Cornelius Price held over people that maybe with the passage of time a little bit of time somebody might come forward and maybe Lead police yeah, to where and, they and actually buried.
0: And I actually think that might have fed into the reason why Cornelius Pice was buried in the UK, in that there was quite a there was a strong possibility some people at that funeral were fearing that they were going to get arrested if they came back to Ireland because they don't know if anyone has broken ranks. I mean yeah. it's is it twelve or is it thirteen people who were supposed to be in in, in, in the Gormanstown yard that day when when that couple disappeared? You know, um, they're not all close relatives. Mm. Some of them are, are, you know, they're they're less closer than others um, and they're not really part of the gang anymore. So there has to be a real fear that some of these people are going to break and start talking. So, I mean, it, it's quite possible that was, you know, a factor and another reason not for coming back to Ireland.
3: And Anna was pregnant as well. I mean, the murder of a couple is highly unusual, you know, at any time. Um, what What was the kind of circumstances behind all that are suspected to be?
0: It, well look i mean the, the as willie moans as his father joe explains it um they had he basically wanted out um and they'd been living in a in a trailer in that yard in Gormanston, and more or less had kind of said like we're we're getting out of here we're going back to Tala to live there and uh, going to start a new life going to settle down with anna i mean looking it like joe says himself that you know willie was no angel as he puts it uh, he was part of the 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 price mcguire gang and he was involved in you know like it is believed that he was he was involved in you know acts of intimidation and some acts of violence, um, but that you know Joe is adamant that they had wanted him to take part in murders and he refused, and it was it was for that reason then as he you know on the day that they were due to leave and due to be picked up they were they disappeared were never seen again. The, the, the theory is is that they were beaten to death with hammers, um, both both couple that she couldn't be left alive either, um, and that their bodies were disposed of. And, and there's various theories as yeah. to how they were disposed of an issue. They are talking about they were dumped in water and now there's theories that they were buried in various locations They were di- or whether or not they were dismembered or, you know, I mean look they're, they're, I mean, there's a, there's a huge amount of, of speculation as to what happened but there are people out there who know uh, like Cornelius Price isn't the only person who had that secret.
3: That story alone is you know, a measure of how terrifying that gang and under Cornelius Price's rule were and you know, obviously there's there's remnants left just because he's dead doesn't mean that uh, the others won't continue to associate with one another. But, I mean, it's such a disconnect, that story from the guy who is so loved by his family and he's buried in this way and he's called a king and a legend and all these things. And you find that, I think, a lot in Gangland when you delve into these individuals who are you know, so feared, and then they have this other total side to them, which is yeah. a loving family and, and like a father or a, you know, a husband or a really loyal parent. I mean, I always remember people people that I
2: knew and and people that I spoke to uh, talking about Paddy Doyle, who was probably the most feared criminal in Dublin's underworld, mm-hmm. uh, associate of Fat Freddie Thompson and... Gary Hutch and you know very high level criminals suspected of a number of murders, and I all spoke to people who always said he was so quiet and sort of shy and nice and always had a kind word. And even April Collins uh, during her when she was giving evidence and she spoke about Jared and and her being over there in Spain with him and saying, oh no, he always tried to inter- intervene if Jared was bullying me or anything like that. Had he did? Yeah, tried but, to look up for. Her. He tried to stick up for her. however people will tell you the other side that he yeah. was absolutely cold. ruthless, cold and violent. So people can, of course, it's no surprise. People So have they can two kind sides. of I
3: suppose compartmentalise what they do in their lives as a gangster to how they behave as a family.
2: I think, though, over time, the, you can people disassociate parts of themselves and act in a certain way, but I think the, the problem comes, and why you see so many gangland criminals struggle with mental health and, is because you can't keep that up forever. Mm. One side tends to interfere with the other, and it's really only the, the massively antisocial people with, that keep yeah. going. Well, I, I think you figure out your own kind of um,
0: structure for justifying what you do. And a good example of that was the, the N7 funerals. You remember the three men that were killed in a stolen car drove into a head-on crash with a truck at City West. Um, that was, I think, Dean Maguire was kind of the main funeral. There was quite a lot of controversy at the time. I know a lot of talk radio going on about it. Um, and it was like the family or the people who were... You know at the funeral, the mourners, not necessarily the family, but the you know their supporters were very much normalizing you know what he did did for a living, which was a prolific burglary gang is yeah. what they were, and they had you know symbols of his life, which we all know we often see in in, in at a funeral in Ireland, and somebody brings up you know you know symbols of your loved one's life in a football shirt, and it's uh, you know, and an a hurley, and and maybe I don't know something to do with you know horse racing or yeah. something like that if you're in Kildare, but in this case it was a torch, a screwdriver, cigarettes, a hat, newspapers, keys, he's he's uh, Canada Goose jacket and a reg plate. Yeah. So I mean the idea and and like and these were these were like giant outsized kind yeah. of screwdrivers using for basically breaking open window locks and getting into property. So they were celebrating these like so they were they proud weren't shy enough about it. to yeah.
3: you know to bring these and and these were brought to a like these were the floral tributes that were brought to the altar.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. and the what the, yeah, the, the was yeah there was it was actually mm. both yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. Right. So
3: I mean uh, yeah. I suppose So we're back there slightly. The church and the priest being slightly compromised by all this in some way. I mean what rights or rules do they have? I know Archbishop um, Archbishop Dermot Martin at one point suggested that a ban on gangland funerals was something that should be brought in but said it was just too difficult to police because it was up to the individual priests and you have a priest in a church and I mean it they, they are scary people that Absolutely. are coming in and I mean, demanding you do this and you know you'd be very brave to stand up and say I'm sorry now but you're you're having none of this. You can take your screwdrivers and your your reg plates mm-hmm. and you can replace them with something more Christian. But you're
2: presuming a priest knows as well that the screwdriver could be implicated in for some other yeah. I mean, I other mean if look purpose. I mean in fairness
0: like if somebody was a well known electrician. I mean, <laughs> yeah. no, I mean you're laughing but like it's, it might have happened, I you know, know yeah. I mean the couple legitimate reasons but even but like as well as that like there was some wild behaviour that was associated with those funerals which you've seen since mm. in other cases like you know young young kids on scramblers you know doing wheelies yeah, that's like, I, on the public
2: roads I, you know and it's crazy stuff like you know it really yeah. is but that's a that's an, a constant feature now the kids doing doing on the scrambler bikes doing skids and stuff like that, and some cars as well. I mean, we've seen that most recently at a funeral in Ballyfermot that there was a flashpoint and there was a confrontation with the Garda. And um, we saw it during James Whelan's in the advance. He's the one I want to funeral. talk
3: about James Whelan's funeral because I mean that really was a different level. Yeah, you know, and in a way, so I was going to ask you both. Do you think okay, James Whelan is one of the younger members of this sort of fingerless flashy? grouping that sort of Gucci gang we talk about he's he's fallen out with um he's fallen out with Mr. Flashy he's out there um you know really puffed up and making his mark he's only young he's shot dead um he's buried in a gold coffin there's professionally shot footage of the entire funeral uh you know professional shoot like shoots as in it's yeah, so expensive yeah, you know it's expensive to put that drone together footage, starts yeah. off with
2: drone footage and the family are, are p- very close up uh, pictured as the, as they're carrying the coffin They've almost
3: a starring role in this 100%. which has become a, almost a movie yes of the funeral
2: yes and you know there would be huge expense involved and again I think it's trying to um reclaim the reputation um of the person that shot dead, and it's also to the, 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 that element of celebration becomes a big part of it because you could see in the aftermath of James Whelan's burial, they had a, a cardboard cutout of him. Um, as in, the, they were having drinks afterwards, as most people do at funerals, but they had a cardboard cutout with him, and people were dancing with that the cardboard not cutout. Like what
3: most people do, though, no, no <laughs> I've that's, that's, ever that's, been at a funeral with a cardboard
2: yeah, cutout of the person. Who's not, yet, not yet, <laughs> not um, yet, but yeah. So, I mean, that's. In, it's it's a kind of an embrace of that. That I mean,
0: yeah, we've seen it with like other Irish families uh, who who aren't involved in crime, where it's been stepped up. Like you know, like there was a relation of um, celebrity Paddy O'Doherty's, um, you know, and they had a funeral in the UK, and there was ten Rolls Royce. Like hired to bring mourners along. I mean, there, there was another guy recently. They hired stunt planes to trail like the the Irish flag tricolour uh, over over the funeral home in smoke. And then before he left Liverpool, it was actually a banner in his name. You know, you're a legend. So I mean, like the game has been up. Well, it's a lovely story in one sense. It was another um, Irish fam Irish family. Well, a UK family with Irish roots, um, who, who's. Uh, the the dad was was a, a huge Joe Joe Dolan fan, and again it was one of these hugely ornate um, graveside memorials, you know, and it was making headlines in the in the UK. But uh, one of the one of the little features on the grave was actually a, a jukebox with a Joe Dolan uh, CD, so that anyone who came to pay tribute to, to big, big Willie Collins I believe big is his Collins, name yeah. anyone who, who came to, to pay tribute could listen to Joe Dolan sing Solar Powered so, as
2: well So it, it
3: was, I mean, that's it was amazing a, yeah, yeah it was
2: actually
0: a, so was
3: that a, left there forever yeah, yeah. so there's
2: Absolutely. no one that.
0: that no it's Solar
3: Powered a Solar Powered jukebox Yeah. yeah.
2: no it's a small
0: you know it's a, it's okay. a small little yeah. I, I guess a CD player well, it's like a big, you know. it's screwed to the ground yeah.
2: I'll have to look at it again to see if it is, but it's built into the marble. It's built into the massive. It's built into it, yeah, it's yeah. Built into the massive marble yeah. uh,
3: thing. And these these marble like graves are yeah. cost of fortune. Yeah. Um, obviously, the um, in Wexford Cemetery there, where where Fat Andy Connors is buried. <coughs> um, myself and Ernie actually were down there. Um, after he so he was murdered in twenty fourteen. Andy Connors and. You'll tell us a little bit about him, Eamon, in a minute. He was a another prolific burglar, although his family would say different. But he was shot dead in the house in Saggart and uh, died in his wife's arms. And he was buried down in Gory in the cemetery. And I think it was kind of some months afterwards, we realised that they were going to go for something big and ornate. He was buried in like a, a gold-plated coffin um, with a Rolex on his arm that was worth God knows how much. And um, they sort of did celebrate the money he had made through some horrific crimes, really, over the years. But anyway, myself and Ernie went down a couple of months afterwards to see what they were Doing with the grave, maybe was coming up to the anniversary, and as we were at the graveyard, <laughs> there was this crane. Okay, and I thought, what are they doing? And I looked, and they were winching a about twelve or fourteen foot statues of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph across the graveyard, right onto his, like onto his uh, marble tomb. Yeah. And I mean we just got there for it. it was just an extraordinary vision. I think we ran the photographs of the yeah. thing, you know, them being winched across. Wouldn't have been my scene, but then they had it all, they had the grave, you know, they had his name chiseled in, I think big, fat, rich Andy Connors was his name on the thing with the with these giant big marble statues. I mean it cost hundred and fifty two hundred thousand yeah for the grave. I'm-
0: like, we were writing about it in The Sunday World 20-plus years ago. Like, there was hundreds of thousands being spent on graves of, uh, you know, yeah, clan patriarchs in the west of Ireland. Certainly, some of the, the Rathkeel Rovers for years were doing the same. You know, there yeah. was... You know, kind of uh, giant rosary beads. You know, like like you know, where they you know really like football sized beads on them. Yeah. Like you know, looped around, r- looped around the grave, and you know, and I remember trying. I remember is trying, that
3: I remember really trying to. thing, or is that? It's a, a show, show. It's a
0: show of devotion, and I'm. I'm but look, we'll I mean you can you can say that about you know. I mean, you can say that about you know. Uh, the, the Sistine Chapel is it about religion or is it about devotion so I mean you can't really look it is about religion and it, but it's also about devotion and it's about showing it off and, and for certainly for, for some people it's sibling rivalry so I'm going to have a, a bigger grave than you because I'm more successful and I'm right. better than you or I'm held in better esteem so th- that goes on and it's not limited like that's yeah. If you go to if you go to graveyards, you'll find two hundred year old Celtic crosses like that are ten foot tall. That was put there because some mm. some local merchants like didn't like the fact that the the you know the born into wealth aristocracy used to look down on them. So he was, at least in death, he was going to have the biggest cross in in the cemetery. So I mean, there's an element of that. There always is. went no, on. Like, we we
2: built we built uh, uh, if you go to Glasnevin, you'll see all the patriot dead have elaborate mausoleums built over them. And I suppose from our perspective. You know, that's justified, but maybe it's just a lack of perspective that we
3: have, you know. And I suppose also it depends on your belief system and what you ha- you believe happens after yeah. death, like which would bring us maybe to Mexico. Yeah. Um, because I was just, <laughs> I, I mean, anybody who's, who can Google there, just have a look at some of this stuff in the Jardin del Humaya, which is a cemetery outside Culican, where a lot of the former members, the dead, deceased cartel members from the Sinaloa cartel are buried. Now they have these enormous kind of tombs. Um, and just some of the things I noted down that they have in them right a bridal suite a cinema <laughs> these narcos have fully working kitchens in their to- their tombs right there's one guy has air conditioning in the bedrooms in two bedrooms so he's obviously going to get <laughs> up out of the, yeah. the grave or whatever and he'll need a little bit of cooling down in the bedrooms um, and <laughs> Another fellow has a burglar alarm on his. Right, right. Right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of them have been killed in, in rows with the Mexican army or by rival cartels. But this entire cemetery is like, they're trying to outdo one another in, in death. But obviously there must be some belief that you're going to be rattling around these tombs well, look, if you look, in the middle of the night or something. It's not, it's not
2: dissimilar to the Egyptian pyramids who also had burglar alarms of a type, didn't they? <laughs> And uh, but you know one of the more disturbing developments I think is the the attacks on graves that are yeah. that are happening again and again now I mean uh, that's probably always to a degree happened but I think that's become a, m- another feature of gangland I mean not so just earlier this year or l- late last year we had a uh, grain Carey um, known as the Canary who was shot dead in in the, in the South Inner City we there was footage put up on social media of his grave being attacked. Vandalised, smashed up by a group of young criminals who who had fallen out with him, obviously. Mm. And you know there have been other ones in recent times. So it is a, it's it's a it's another feature of, of a way to attack the. the and what the, is
3: that a aid of? Is it to kind of attack the family? The you know why? What's the point? of well, I suppose of that? it's
0: trying to undermine the. You know what? It, what they're trying to achieve it in the first place is trying to undermine the, the projection of power, saying, "Look, you, this is a pointless demonstration of your power because we can just smash up your grave." So it, it's just it's 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 not business; it's feuding, like yeah. you know, in that sense. I mean, like it has gone on for a while. I mean, I, I was just I was looking this up before before we came on to talk about this, but uh, it's nearly twenty years ago. I spoke to the widow of John Ryan, who was one of the victims in the in the the Limerick feud that went on. He was shot dead in, in March uh, 2003. And I spoke to her in, I think it was January, the following year. Uh, and they had basically had, you know, constant threats that his body was going to be dug out and dumped on her doorstep. Um, you know, the local cemetery had, had, um, you know, graffiti sprayed or painted on the wall to that effect. And also who shot J.R. You know, it was taunting the family. So it wasn't enough that they had killed him. Um, mm. But they also wanted to, to, you know, they they wanted to... I suppose psychologically, his beat, memory or something. yeah, but also also kind of they psychologically beat the family into submission that they're no longer going to be an issue. And I mean, like like John Ryan's uh, brother Eddie Ryan was an enforcer. For, we spoke about this quite recently, uh, I think, just this week, Nicola. Yeah. Well, like he he was an enforcer for. Um, for for uh, Christy Keane um and and he he was he was one of the, the the first murders in in the whole thing that set off the feud so John Ryan to some extent was shot dead because there was fears that he might come looking for revenge and wasn't a particularly major criminal at all um you know and was you know i think a lot of people would have the view that he he was very much a you know an innocent kind of target in in the whole thing it was simply because of his family connections and yet his widow was, was put through this absolute torture, you know. And, and and again, it's just about trying to, it's really trying to screw someone over totally. So it's not enough that you you, you kill, you know, a person that you also got to, you, you have to bring on the, the terror, mm. which is what these murders are often about. It's about trying to terrorize your, your, your enemies into submission, into silence.
3: And like, have any of them sort of considered maybe getting security around the graves or anything like that? Is there...
2: I don't know, but um, uh, there have been uh, CCTV cameras actually put up on a lot of these things really? as, as they've as they've repeatedly happened. You know, um, the uh, there, there have been other attacks, even back to Martin the General Cahill. His gravestone was smashed up a couple of times, mm. and even. But I mean, it's a feature in other countries as well. I mean, Frank Costello, who we spoke about, the, one of the, the founding members of the modern U.S. mafia, um, even after he died, he had a big mausoleum. And some guy uh, uh, actually blew it up, put an actual (laughs) bomb under it because uh, after post-death, you know, (laughs) he hated him in life. He died of natural causes. He couldn't get around to killing him. So he just blew up his, uh, his graveside. So I think it's about trying to make sure that these, the families and the associates don't get this kind of, Aren't allowed a, a kind of hero worship. They can't, have a, to, they can't uh, have a martyr. They can't have a martyr. They're still going to show that that nothing is sacred. I, I think, though, at, at the at the other end, I think of of some of
0: the criminal feuding that goes on. The reason why in some cemeteries and some some uh, graves are attacked, it's simply to cause economic damage to somebody you know can't really afford to replace. Mm-hmm you know, 50 grams worth of marble, so you smash it up. And, I mean, we've seen that, like, quite recently in, in the Midlands and in Ennis, you know, where uh, there was, was graves smashed up and then there was another another one, a lot of uh, combustible material was put on put on the grave and set alight and filmed at night. Um, you you've had, you know, a, a grave in in Mullingar that was bro- broken up on the orders of Owen Maguire mm-hmm. on the basis that, you know, a relative of that person had made some kind of insult about him being a cripple you know as we know he's paralyzed and in a wheelchair since he was shot by Robbie Lawler um and you know and and a lot of that is it's about punishment you know as well so it's not you know it's not always as we were talking about or as I was talking about the projection of power and the attempts to undermine it sometimes it's just smashing up someone's car and, or burning someone's house out just to try and put them out of business or or to distract them or get them something else to worry about and it's upsetting you know it's going to be upsetting like you know the person you know, the person who's going to get blamed for being the reason behind why the grave is attacked has to face their relatives and say, look, it's got nothing to do with me, and saying, yes, it is, you're the guy involved in crime, and, you know, we're the ones who have to pick up the pieces. So you're going to have to deal with, you know, upset mothers and sisters or brothers or whatever, like, you know, because of your involvement in something. So, I mean, it's a way of trying to upset people, you know, at that level, Mm -hmm. you know. So, I mean, there's different motivations.
3: And speaking of Brendan Maguire, I think uh, he did show up at uh, Cornelius Price's funeral. He was attending... And uh, he obviously is. He was shot as well, along with his brother. But he wasn't left as badly injured from it.
2: No, he's been out of the country for an extended period, living in the UK. Mm -hmm. Um, He he actually lives in the area where he was buried. I mean, that came out of the recent. Yeah, yeah, he's in. I think. Yeah, well, Manchester, not too far away. would have. I mean, he was featured in a cab case you covered there. In recent weeks, I mean?
0: Yeah, I mean, well, that was that, that was over um, himself and Owen McGuire and, and the, the land, and I think it was whatever it was, about 300,000 in cash. Uh, but yeah, no, but his address came out of that. So, I mean, like he this is... the
3: cash that they found in the attic of the <coughs> home in Drogheda in Cement Road when they raided it at some right, point? That's right, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, and then that, that was... It was, it was I think it was just before he was shot, and then of course the van that he was—he just got out of when Owen Maguire was shot—that was seized as well. Um, but I mean, that, that was the main—that mm-hmm. was the main kind of, I suppose, asset. And there was a, a few. I think there was two kind of uh, derelict rural houses that were, were seized as well. But but I mean, they went through the whole. Um,
3: was Cornelius Price ever targeted by the Criminal Assets Bureau?
0: It certainly didn't come to court, anyway. Um, yeah. I, like it's quite. I mean, he he was in prison, I, I guess you know, up until 2019, that time. Uh, so he was a little bit out of the picture. I mean, it, it's it's quite possible that they'd go after it and it just hasn't, oh, yeah, hasn't come ha- to court we like, like we haven't heard about it. it. I mean, I, I'd, be, I'd be surprised if they haven't mm, certainly Pat looked into it. Good of land him.
3: up there in Gormanston, And obviously, uh, if he owns it, if it's in his name, um, given all that went on there, it would be nice to see it coming into the ownership of the state at some point. Um But what I wanted to ask you was the likes of Cornelius Price and the life he led and, you know, the fear he instilled in people and then he's buried as this sort of hero. Um, What did he accomplish? What sort of wealth (laughs) did he... This is a very deep question, but, you know, what did he accomplish? I mean, you think about... I, I, I've been to a few funerals recently, and there is that sense of, you know, you go, what did this person accomplish in life? And obviously some people have lived long lives and have had a lot of uh, 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 love well, and in, stuff in around way, them.
0: But in a way, you could mm-hmm. say he held, he held office for a while. He was he was the main drug dealer in the northeast of the country, in Johada, in, maybe into some parts of North County, Dublin. You know, Lows and Meath and all that. Um, so someone else is now. So that was that's what he contributed. You know, it was, it was like being T shock for three or four or five years, and maybe not a particularly good one, or or maybe he was very su- successful. Um, he was certainly very violent, made a lot of headlines. So I mean, wh- whoever Does the new he have a legacy is, to
3: leave. Does he have anything? Any? I mean, have we any idea what kind of money he would have made over the well the time? There was a
2: famous uh, economics paper. Where they, you know, the the these, these economists from Harvard followed these drug dealers for a year, and, and I think the paper was called "Why Do All Drug Dealers Live with Their Mothers." This was
3: in Freakonomics. Yes, I know so, it exactly. Yes, yes, because they worked out exactly how much they earned per hour,
2: which is roughly what you'd earn at McDonald's. Yeah, that's so. That's I mean, it. the pe- the criminals like Cornelius Price may well have earned more. Mm. But well, know, he he was the franchisee
0: holder, but everyone around him would have been better off working in a fast food restaurant. Because that's, that's doubt, they would like, get like, exactly.
2: bursts burst of money. Yeah, but they're not in it for the money. They're in yeah. it for for the ego and for the yeah. for being the big shot. And that that's the reality of of criminality. For the vast majority of people, you can pick out Daniel and Christy Kinnahan who are different, but most of them are earning far, far less than the hassle they And create. taking
3: enormous risks, really, with it. And then, obviously, you know... Mostly being hands
2: or ending up in prison. So it's not driven by finance, I think, for, mo- for the, you know, 99.9% of them are doing it to be big shots. But he leaves a legacy of his own family, like like all of us, mm. and maybe they have a, they'll have a different memories. And
0: he also leaves a, a legacy of anguish and pain for does. the you know members of Benny Whitehouse's family and and the Mon's, like who are still dealing with their mm-hmm. loss. So I yeah. mean, it it, it goes it, it, go, it does go beyond him. It's it, I don't think it's a particularly attractive legacy or a nice it's, legacy it's, at all. It's
2: not a nice legacy, and even for his family, like they're they're battling now to put out. This is guy's a legend and a hero and a king. But even in that, you know, they're having to read posts on social media, posts in newspapers, you know, not allowing that reputation to be to be uncontested. Mm-hmm. So they leave a, a, a legacy that is, is, is dust. Is that what the, the phrase is? Well, one,
0: well I, like, don't forget, I mean, Daniel Kinnan was attempting to do that, uh, you know, before his death and, you know, when he was, you know, on, on the cusp of having successfully whitewashed his... Or sports washed his his uh, reputation as a drug dealer, and that that came close to it. And and it was the likes of the Sunday World and and some of the other Irish n- newspapers and one or two of the boxing writers who who stuck to their guns, and you know made sure that 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 the you know Kinnahan wasn't getting a free ride publicity wise. And it did knock him back a bit. But I mean. I mean, the real thing that knocked him back, of course, was, was the, the US sanctions. Yeah, I mean, yeah. which
3: was the guards working behind the scenes, like, you know, lobbying for Absolutely, this. Absolutely, yeah. And and calling out to them. I suppose, in a way, the a funeral is the one time that gangsters are guaranteed to be, you know... Uncontested. No, they're, they're, they're going to be photographed. They're going to be in the media. Yeah. That and when they're in court. There are two yeah. times that they know for sure that... You know, there's going to be some media attention around them. And, you know, in a way, I wonder, is that a little bit of it as well? Is it—is it not just well, I for think, fellow yeah, guys? I think they show it? a
2: message. If you look at, we've spoke, spoken about David Burns' funeral, mm. like the display that was put on there, Daniel and Christie Jr. But flying back. that was
3: a media event, essentially, that was as a media well. Event. It was. And it
2: contrasted very directly with the Hutch funerals that occurred at the same time, mm. which were deliberately wound down, low-key, No, none of that display. Well, they really didn't want... To, to, to mm. put on that display of show of power and strength, obviously because of they were under such threat and fear. Um, where where that, the David Byrne funeral was the opposite sign. Mm. And, you know, that I mean, I think that's the last. Was it the last time Daniel and Christie Jr. were in the country or, or in or around that time it anyway? Was the last
3: time. And you know what it was as well, I suppose really a final point about funerals and gangland funerals and all the rest of it. They are often fertile grounds for intelligence gathering. Of course, at the David Byrne funeral, who is standing at the back? but a guy we'd later find out was nicknamed Mr. Nobody, yeah. um, Declan Brady, and, you know, he wasn't necessarily on the radar. There are places where you can see who's friends, who isn't, who yep. shows up, who doesn't, who's no, a bit afraid. A long,
2: there's a long tradition in Irish gangland as well of people who've ordered murderers showing up for the, pe- the funerals <laughs> of the people that they've had killed to deny they had anything to do with it. Um, yeah. not, not least Eamon Dunn, uh, known as the Don, had a tendency to do that, to show up to the funeral and say, oh, God, it's terrible. He was killed, you know, a couple of days after ordering there's, the murder. There's one other,
0: a, a slight, um, slightly off-topic, um, in terms of gangland funerals, but one that the kind of lower level of criminals again have been involved in recently, and it's happened twice, where at the funeral cortège, say wherever they're going from, you know, to some, they'll stop at the prison where there might be relatives, and they will make lots of noise, sing and dance, stand on the walls, or get as close as they can. And hang around, have a drink even, and, you know, kind of make sure that somebody in the nearest wing to the wall is able to hear what's going on. So there, you know, there's a yeah. kind of final farewell to the, to, to the, the guys herse, inside. Get the
2: hearse up to Limerick so, yeah.
0: Yeah, that, yeah, there was that one, and the one outside Leash Prison as well, you know, and for, for John O'Donoghue's benefit. That was one of the the healers done for... Um, uh, uh, Oh, what was he done for again? I'm trying to remember now. But he got a 10-year sentence for attacking a 70-something-year-old man with a mm-hmm. machete and pretty mm. much, you know, he's a convicted drug dealer as well. But I mean, yeah, so there was, there was one of his close pals had passed away um, and they, they kind of made a tribute by turning up outside the high security to, to shout and make a bit of noise and let him allow him to process the farewell.
3: It's kind of like the whole gangland and the criminality and in life and in death. It's almost like a culture now, isn't it? It's yeah, like, but it's, it's, like counter, God, it's got its, its own culture. identity.
2: Yeah, it's a counterculture. Mm. I mean, that that is the truth. And if you compare it, Eamon has brought up the IRA funerals. Like, there was another culture where people, IRA guys, were heroes, were patriots, were freedom fighters, were pillars of the community. Mm. That was a counterculture that exists really, really strongly, you know, within within a community. And obviously then the main culture was the IRA were terrorists, killers, beyond the pale. And so that does exist in in, in in Irish society now where you see with the burglary gang guys that Eamon referred to, mm. there is a counterculture that is there where, you know, and you. People could argue, sure, the same counterculture exists with maybe bankers in Ireland or other people, you know, maybe they could look at them and say, you know, bankers can be celebrated when they die, even though they've done this. But that—that that is, that is there and that counterculture is not reached by us preaching in the Sunday world, for example.
3: But the culture is seeping more and more, I think, in with the younger gangs, this whole... You know, the, the kind of the TikTok culture, I suppose, the idea of them showing off that, that wealth, which is around a good while now. But that is very much a Mexican thing Yeah, that has, you know, been been going on there for a long, long time. The kind of the gold plated guns, the the absolute bling, the, you yeah. know, the, the and I think exotic animals and-, and all that sort of stuff. And it's like that. You're just seeing it more and more with what should be ordinary drug gangs. Yeah, you know the but, younger ones. But there's also a
0: huge reinforcement for the younger members of the gang. Like you know, it's going to be a really emotional moment. It's going to be a time to bond even closer. You know, possibly even recruit new people. Like you know, who show up for the funeral. Mm. So you know, you know, it's it's like any any good um, organized crime gang is going to have tight emotional bonds between people that can be exploited then by the you know the the people in charge. And, and that's why you would have had, say, you know, football hooligan uh, gangs that, you know, evolved into serious cocaine uh, dealing gangs in the UK because they, they all went out and fought the police together. So you got to know who you could trust and you went for a drink afterwards, had a laugh, you know, maybe started going out with each other's sisters or whatever, you know, and, and they become a family. And so th- some of these gangs, for, for some people, that is their family and that's what they're doing. So for having a big send off and, and it's about their family, it's not about the blood family, you know, mm-hmm, it's not mm-hmm. about, the, you know, the brothers and sisters who mightn't be involved in crime. It's about the brothers who are in the. Gang,
2: but they're I think social media allows that counterculture to to, to display itself, mm. broadcast itself, and to stay in internal like echo chambers. They're talking about you know with QAnon or anything else. You know, social media, they're means owning that those, their own
3: counterculture yes, more so than in the yeah, past when it was the media was looking at what be, it was and, re- exactly.
2: and it had to be reflected. They were reflect now, they can it can be self contained, yeah, you know,
3: yeah. Um. Cornelius Price—is that the end of him? Is that the—I know he's dead, right? I don't mean it <laughs> that way, but I mean—is that the last we've heard of him?
0: I doubt very much. I mean, I, I mean, there is unsolved murders mm. yet to be yet to be dealt with. Um, I've no doubt someone's going to come forward, like you know, over the murder of uh, Willie Vaughan and Anna eleven. Fars- so, I mean, I, I don't think so.
3: And this grave, yeah. now that it's known to be in Rochdale, and obviously the fear was always that it was—you know—the funeral was going to be. Hijacked, or that it's—it's
0: very possible to be an attack on it. I mean, like the—you know—some of his rivals have been gloating. We've already seen that, you know, when they've—they've they've put up stuff on TikTok and other social media, basically making fun of the family, trying to, trying to whitewash his reputation, like in—in—in—you know, following his death. So
2: I mean, but the, those gangs have really been diminished by the guardie It has to be said, and by obviously by the feuding that has gone on um so in a in a way it just shows you that these gangs that are very violent and, sp- and spring up they can be maybe never dismantled fully but they can certainly have have been uh, brought to heel um which i think has happened in fairness in Drogheda mm. criminality will still exist and drug dealing but the power that they had is is diminished and that at least
3: is a good thing yeah all right
2: thank you very much thanks nicola
3: can Stand i go now <laughs> <laughs> you can you can go now and do whatever it is you want to do. Drink your pints <laughs> on a Friday afternoon. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com, produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Clodamini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe.